I'm this tiny little bitty company that nobody's ever heard of. No one's gonna go, oh, blue signal this or blue signal that. But if I go to Career Builder or Monster or LinkedIn, some of the others, boom, I'm, I'm at the top now. If I post it there, everybody sees me. That's not only candidates, but it's hiring managers. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby. I'm joined today by Matt Walsh. Matt is the CEO and founder of Blue Signal. Blue Signal is a multi-million dollar award-winning Phoenix-based recruitment agency specializing in IT, IoT, telecom, wireless, and they have a number of other practice areas. Matt's been in recruiting for over 15 years. He started his career with MRI, eventually relocated to Phoenix, launched Blue Signal in 2012. He started out as a one-man band and since then has grown to over 40. And as a business, as a company, they've made over 1,300 placements, which is pretty spectacular. But Matt still runs a desk and uh, is working in the trenches, closing deals and leading by example. So Matt, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. I'm a, a really big fan, I have to admit. I think I first learned from you about you from um, Rico, the bearded recruiter. I'm sure you've heard that name before. Yeah. And then um, you've had some excellent speakers, Monty and some of my favorite Jays from Pinnacle, Joe Rice, Jordan Rayboy, Jeremy Sizemore, John Schlegel, just awesome lineup. So thank you for all that you do. It's really, really awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I, I appreciate it. And I, I love doing this. I would do it even if it wasn't beneficial from a marketing point of view, I would just do it because I love learning. And, uh, you know, it's an opportunity for me to learn from some of the best people in the business, including your yourself. So, um, but thanks for saying that. Um, so I'm fascinated by you've gone from one person to 60 and uh, many people never are able to really well, some people don't want to grow and, and that's that's a, a valid decision. But even those who kind of want to build a firm um, get stuck at kind of five, six, maybe 10 people and you've really been able to scale up. So would you mind telling a story of why and, and how you did that? Yeah. So it's, um, so, and, and to correct you, it's, it's not 60 yet. <laughs> We're at about uh, 45 now, uh, but we Sorry, are- Sorry, my mistake. That's okay. Uh, we're getting there. We have a class starting in June, another one in July. So our, our goal is to get there by the end of the year, but we're only at 45 yet. Um, All right. I don't have some great fancy story that I, I got into this and just wanted to take on the world. And, and I was, here's my business plan and it was so structured and tailored and everything that you hear from all those great CEOs that write books. That really wasn't me. Uh, I think just like most folks, I just fell into recruiting. Um, happened to really enjoy it and, and, and actually be somewhat successful at it. And I actually started blue signal as more of a lifestyle job. It was more of the 20 hours a week, 30 hours a week, re uh, recruit from the golf course type of deal. And I was having a lot of fun doing that and it just continued to, to grow on itself. And so probably for the first three, four years, it was just me by myself. And then it was around 2016. I realized, wow, this could be more. Uh, let's start hiring some folks. And I was just very fortunate and blessed to get some really good people early on. And uh, from there, it's it's scaled. Um, I think one of the reasons why is probably because I still run a full desk. I mean, every day I'm, I'm, I'm 
going through the trenches. I'm doing everything I possibly can. I'm, I'm building the company based off of what I think is, is successful. So from our marketing, from our tools, from our softwares, from our tech, I'm, I'm a junkie on all that stuff. I always want to try out new techs. I want to try out whatever I possibly can, whatever the latest and greatest is. Um, salespeople love calling me because I always take their call. I'm just, oh yeah, tell me more about that. How's that going to make my business more effective? And so I think it's because I'm in the trenches. I am still doing exactly what everyone else is doing. It, 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 I built the company to, to really make it my, my life easier selfishly. And I just figured, hey, if I'm making my life easier as a recruiter, maybe I can make others' lives easier. And it's just kind of scaled from there. Wow. Okay. So going, take me back to 2016 and you had, you know, a lifestyle business, things are going well. Uh, you don't have to work, you know, too, too hard to make a good living. Um, why take on what I think anybody would agree is a massive challenge. As soon as you start hiring, managing, leading, training other people, you've just massively complicated your life. <laughs> um, so what, what motivated you to do that in the first place? Oh, that's a, a great question. Um, and again, not a great answer, but I, I, for me, there was a big void in recruiting. Um, and I've heard it so many times, you know, I hate, I hate going to the dinner table and trying to explain that I'm a recruiter. Everyone looks at you like, what, what's a recruiter? Um, and those that know about it, they think either you work for the military cause that's the most big, that's what I thought it was originally. Uh, or you're right there next to a used car salesman. And I'm thinking that's not at all what recruiters do. And there's just so many not great ones out there that are, are giving us this reputation. So I, I just, yeah, I wanted to do it different. I put a lot of, of effort into it and I, and I realized that there is a different way. There's the right way, a lot of steps, but the right way. And so for me, it was just a passion of mine that the recruiter industry has a bad rap and I'm going to change it in my mind. Selfishly, I'm going to change that. Now, obviously I'm a small little piece of the, the puzzle here, but <clears throat> I wanted to, to, to do more and scale more. And at the same time, I had just had my second uh, son, uh, I have two boys, and uh, he was being born. Um, and I realized, you know, recruiting is really only what I put into it. Yeah, if I work 20 hours a week, well, I get 20 hours of output. But if I can start to grow and scale, then, well, maybe I can take a day off every once in a while and still continue to, to run at a high level. And so I, I, I don't know, there's no calculations in it. It was probably kind of a knee-jerk reaction uh, at the time. I said, what the heck, let's hire and I will give one special shout out. So I was at a NAPS conference. I, I will remember this piece too. And um, I remember sitting there, might've been Jordan who was talking at the time. Um, and I remember, and you know, Jordan, he's always start your own business, go, you know, take no prisoners, love Jordan to death. Uh, but there was someone sitting next to me and I said, when, when's the right time to start hiring? And it's just the, the old ad tree. You know, the best time to, to plant a tree is, is uh, 20 years ago. The second best time right. is now. And they said, yeah. don't ever wait for it. It's just like children. You know, if you wait for the right time, there's never going to be the right time. Just do it. And what's the worst that happens? It doesn't work out and you go back to running by yourself. Fine. At least you tried and failed versus not trying at all. And so that really resonated right. with me. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, I, I can, I can relate to that. That sounds, that makes sense to me now that you put it that way. So you decided to go for it and, um, but I mean, there's a big difference between hiring a few people and then having 40 and then, you know, growing beyond that. So, and you've done that in just five years, which, uh, which is pretty fast. Um, so what were kind of like the key milestones in that journey? Yeah. So I, um, 
Oh, and, I, and I'm all about giving other people credit because in the recruiting industry, you're just always learning from someone else and uh, regurgitating whatever they taught you. And I remember I was sitting at the dinner table with Monty, another guest you had here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, a, it was, a, uh, it was down in Texas. I think it was a Mexican place. And he said, man, there's so many, there's so many activities I do on the regular basis. Some of them I'm great at. Some of them I just suck. But I, I, I found these eight things that I'm really good at and I actually enjoy doing. So if I can just focus on those eight things, everything else is great. And all the other things I'm either not that good at or don't enjoy doing, I just find somebody else to do. And so that resonated with me. And I remember thinking there are so many things that I, one, just can't stand doing, but they're a necessary evil within uh, recruiting. So as soon as I got a job order, man, my whole day was shot because now I got to do a job post. I got to update the website. I got to put all the, the messaging together. I got to it, it takes me a full day just to gear up to work on the search before I can even start working on the search. And so then I remember thinking, OK, marketing is key. I got to grow in the marketing side. And I just couldn't. I, I figured that I could do it okay and I kind of enjoyed it, but man, there's gotta be some people out there that just love doing this stuff and can do like a, a kick-ass job way better than me. And so I said, let's, let's hire in marketing, let's grow in marketing. You know, what are some of the other tools and resources I need? And so slow, slowly, but surely I kind of copied Monty's book of here's the eight things I'm good at. Here's the 50 things I need to do every day. But if I can find someone else to help me with those other 42 and I can just focus on those eight. Great. Now, I've heard it worded several times, you know, the high biller activities and there's other ways to do it. But I realized I didn't want to do those anymore. So I just continued to hire. And then from there, more searches came in, needed to hire more people. And it just gradually grew. Again, no great plan. It just kind of snowballed and expanded like that. Awesome. Matt, you make it sound easy, but I'm sure it was not. Um, Can I just clarify your business model? Do you have people running full desks or do you have it split with salespeople and recruiters and sourcers? Like what's the kind of setup? Yeah. So full, full desk, uh, loosely speaking, but we have a few folks over here that are just doing BD uh, and some folks that are just doing recruiting. And um, for us, my, my big aha moment, and this is probably because I started uh, as a, as a lifestyle recruiter is, you know, listen, we're, we're remote and we luckily we were remote and and virtual prior to this, the whole pandemic setting in, because I realized you can do this job from anywhere. I did it from my, my, my house and garage. And I figured, wow, if I can do that, anyone can. So I just wanted to create the flexibility to work on what you want to do. So if you want to do more recruiting than BD, great. If you want to do both, if you want to run your own thing, great. We'll have all the tools and resources here to help you. Uh, but it really is what you want to make out of it. And so that's why I chuckled early on when you're talking about all of our specialties. I, it's hard for me to keep up because we're, we're, you know, we're hiring people. And I, I tell them, listen, you come over here, whatever your specialty is, I promise we'll make you the branded guru behind it. Uh, your mm-hmm. life will be so much easier. You'll make double the placements. Uh, and then here's what they don't know is I know I'm going to make your life so much easier and so much better over here that if you ever go anywhere else, you're going to hate it because we just had so many tools and so many resources. And so flexibility on running a full desk versus a 360 model is in my mind, very important. And it changes. Uh, there's some days like I'll, for me personally, I do a lot of BD, but there's some searches that I, I'm going to, I'm going to work that I'd say probably 10 to 20% of the searches I work by 80% of them. I, I have other people work on. Hmm. All right. Awesome. So as you started growing, like what were some of the first um, decisions or people that you, you brought on? Yeah. So I first, I, I was looking back at this, I was going through my notes. My, one of my first hires was a, a commission only type hire that unfortunately didn't work out. So I, I will say that. Um, then my second hire was someone uh, that I, I know really well, uh, went to high school with and, and, and just said, Hey man, I, 
doing something over here. It's a lot of hard work, but I think you might be, you might be interested in it and, and probably oversold it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, yeah, let's do, let's do it, give it a go. And then quickly, as soon as that person came on marketing, marketing, and I was, I was very fortunate that as I was running my marketing search um, for people, for us, uh, I ended up finding not one, but two people. And I said, you know what, what's the worst that happens? Let's hire them both. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always encouraging my clients to do it. Why don't I take my own advice? So we hired two people in marketing. Um, and then from there it was, it was recruiters and I try to do classes. I, 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 you know, from that point, it just always made sense to let's hire, if we're going to hire one, let's hire three. Uh, we can train them all the same way, coach them all the same way, go through the same training process. Uh, and then from there I'm, I'm, I'm a data junkie. So I'm always looking at what's our activity, what's our metrics. And I try my best to keep the marketing and operations team aligned with the recruiting team to ensure that they can, uh, basically make sure that they take care of them. Fantastic. You said so, a lot of interesting things there. Uh, one of which is when you say you hired two marketing people, what do they actually do? Like, what do you mean by marketing? Yeah. So I, I've always been, I remember when I was with manager recruiters and sorry, Mark, I'm going to answer all of your questions in the longest way possible. If you haven't noticed that yet. <laughs> no problem. Go for it. Uh, so with manager recruiters, uh, we had, um, one monster seat. I'll never forget. It was for, for job postings. And I got it two days out of the week. And so for those two days, I'm thinking, man, it, it was like, a, it was like real estate. You get one job posting, you put it up here, you can change the posting as many times as you want, whatever you want, but you only get the one. And my firm, I think had two that they shared amongst like 14 people. And so I had it two days a week. And I was geared up for that thing. I'm, I'm thinking, okay, how do I use this posting to the max uh, advantage? Uh, and, and again, MRI, everyone's like, postings are a waste of time, cold call, market, you know, that's not going to go anywhere. You're going to get a bunch of garbage and junk and don't do it. But I did a little different. I used it to, to get not only the best candidates, but the best clients. So the way I worded my job orders uh, or my, my postings was that, um, hey, listen, I'm working on a senior engineer right now. Well, who's going to apply to a senior engineer? Not other senior engineers. It's probably going to be engineers. And it's probably going to, you know, so I, mm -hmm. I would try to, to backwards kind of work through the job description and, and posting so that if I'm one of those people, I put myself in their mindset, what are the kind of jobs I'm going to apply to? And so I take that on my hot jobs. And then also I look at my hot candidates. Well, what are those? And I try to put some of those similar postings out there. And, and this was something that happened early on. Believe it or not, I had a couple of people call and say, hey, I see you're looking for a director of whatever. Uh, we're looking for that person too. Can you help us? Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, what, what just happened? Mm -hmm. You called me to help me. And, and so that stuck with me. And then I've, I continue to do that once I started Blue Signal is just really take the most out of it. In my way, early on, it was kind of a cheap way to get SEO. Like I'm, I'm this tiny little bitty company that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, no one's going to go, oh, Blue Signal this or Blue Signal that. But if I go to CareerBuilder or Monster or LinkedIn, you know, they weren't as big then, but LinkedIn and some of the others, boom, I'm, I'm at the top now. If I post it there, everybody sees me. That's not only candidates, mm -hmm. but it's hiring managers. So our marketing team, and I'm going to try to give you the short version here, but they do two things. Whenever a search comes in, um, well, I'll tell you the whole, the whole, the whole story. So how it happens when a search comes in, we take all the intake notes, we take all the recordings, when, whatever it is, we try to get a full detailed synopsis that gets kicked over to marketing and that gets kicked two ways. There's the internal side of marketing and the external side of marketing. And this is all for processing. So the internal side, we build this whole massive brochure. It's a, it's um, spec sheets, white papers, leadership. It's, it's pretty intensive and it's, it, it's awesome. So, so this is, is what we would show candidates after we talk to them, we identify that they're a good fit. We send them this, this brochure 
and never fails. They always say, whoa, I've never seen anything like this. That's amazing. And, um, you know, it helps us to, to clearly articulate this is the role. This is the scope. It's not just a, a job responsibilities and requirements. It's the whole storyboard of what your career would look like if you come join here. So it's it's a lot. And we ask a lot of the hiring managers some some crazy questions that makes them well, tell me about your leadership style, your management. How many people have you promoted in the past? What are they doing today? So we really try to dig into things that managers mm-hmm. sometimes don't even think about. Um, and then we tre- we basically convert that to a digital brochure that we send out. That's the internal side. Nobody sees that stuff except for the candidates. The external side, this is where they're a bunch of mad scientists now. Uh, they've taken what I did and I just completely made it beyond what I can imagine. So they'll look at, here's the role. Uh, here's the types of people that are applying. Here's the buzzwords, the keywords, everything else that they're looking for. Uh, and then they'll, they'll search on LinkedIn and some of our other uh, 2, 2.0 applications in addition to our database and see what are the major buzzwords, keywords that those types of candidates are looking for that they're going to apply to. Not what the job requires, but what Mm. these people are going to apply to. And then, so we'll get that posted. Then we reverse target. This is probably TMI, but then we reverse target and we'll pull a list of 30, 40, 50 people that we know are good fit. We'll get their email and then we'll get our postings on all their feeds, Google, Facebook, and LinkedIn. So now we're reverse targeting where they're seeing our postings on all their feeds and they weren't applying. They weren't looking. Why, why is this happening? They don't know. They don't usually apply, but now when we ping them cold and say, Hey man, uh, are you keeping options open? I got something that might be a good fit. You know, should you chat? And he goes, blue signal. Wow. Where have I seen that? They don't know where they've seen it, but I do because it's been by design. <laughs> this has been in your feed for the last three days on all of your feeds. And so that, and there's some more that goes into it, but basically there's a lot of complex stuff that goes into the marketing side that actually helps us to get better candidates, better job orders, uh, better conversion rates. You know, when we send them this brochure. It's rare that they come back and say, not interested. Um, and there's some other items that we do too, but that for the most part, our marketing team is pretty comprehensive and it's one of the biggest tools that I provide for other recruiters when they come over here. Like you have access to this marketing team, that award-winning, amazing. I mean, you're going to get, you're going to fill at least twice as many searches as you were filling before just because of all this. Wow. That was uh, a lot of information to digest, <laughs> but what's awesome is that you hired marketing very early. Like most firms are not that sophisticated, even when they get to 40 people, but you just, you made that decision to get that marketing expertise in-house early on. Um, I'd love to explore some of the techniques and strategies you just outlined, but what, what was behind that decision? Like why hire two marketing people instead of two more recruiters? Uh, yeah, you know, looking back, it was probably a silly decision. Um, I think, I don't know. I just, I've just always been marketing driven. I, um, mm. when I first started the company and had a, and a website, I was always updating the website. I was always going through it. I was, every time a new job came, I'd create a new URL. I knew the search terms. I was always looking at SEO and, uh, looking at Google and how can you rank higher? And I was just always fascinated and, and passionate about it. And, you know, thank goodness, because obviously everything now is in digital and, and everyone's yes. trying to transform their identities on a digital basis. But um, I just realized that a lot of this role is marketing. It is. You are doing sales and marketing. You can call it a recruiter all you want to, but you're a marketer. I mean, you are marketing people to a company and you are marketing companies to people. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And so you really need to do your best job to market not only those companies, but those people. And how do you do that? And so our submittal process, our marketing puts together amazing submittals. It's all branded. It's everything that goes into it uh, from the um, the client side. I mean, I already talked to you about the brochures and there's some other things we do with videos and, and digital clips now, uh, like sizzle and selling points. And early on, I was already doing some of that stuff. 
And it just mm-hmm. took so much time. And I figured, well, you know, I have one good all-marketing person here. Here's another one. Uh, this way, it, it might be a little too much, but let's bring them both on. They can help with each other. We can, we can really scale and grow this. And the other thing that happened, Mark, now that I'm, I'm thinking about this, is right as I was making that decision, there was this big placement I was working on that I made at the same time. And I thought, oh, this must be a sign. It was like a you know, $50,000, $60,000 fee, a big placement I've been working on for maybe six months. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm deciding which one to hire at the same time, boom, this placement comes in. Must be a sign. Let's huh. hire them both. So Awesome. All right. Before I go to my next question, I'd like to share one of the keys to my success in recruitment and in business. You may have noticed that a lot of the people I interview on this show have a coach. That's not a coincidence. Most high achievers have a coach, including me. I've worked with various coaches over the last 20 years, and it's been a huge factor in my own personal and business growth. Here's why. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees, and it really helps to take a step back and look at how you can improve the business and get a fresh outside perspective from someone who's bringing new ideas and insights to the table. Plus, as a business owner, who is holding you accountable and helping you stay on track? So I want to encourage you, if you're not already working with a coach, get one. It doesn't have to be me. There are plenty of amazing coaches out there. Just find someone who you believe will add measurable value to your business and can help you get to the next level. If you do want to explore a coaching relationship with me, then you're welcome to apply for a free 30-minute strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. This is not a sales call. My number one objective is to help you to get clear on your goals, identify the roadblocks that are holding you back, and create a strategic plan to increase your billings and grow your business. I promise you'll leave our session feeling focused, re-energized, and excited to take your business to the next level. You can apply at www.recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. It sounds like you've got a lot of really interesting processes in place that... um, are quite tactically designed to assist you to um, to close more deals, basically. Uh, and so it's interesting how you use marketing both. Well, in fact, all of the examples you gave are how marketing supports recruiting. Um, so it, and I'd also like to hear how marketing supports client acquisition, but, but coming to the recruiting side, first of all, because I, it's interesting, Matt, I did a poll on LinkedIn just a couple of days ago and I asked, what is the biggest challenge or constraint that you're facing in your recruiting business right now that is, um, limiting your billings or, or, or growth. And the number one was, um, the options I gave them were need, more grade A job orders. Number two was need more uh, placeable talent. Number three was need uh, better recruiters to join my team. And and four was, you know, something else. And way by a large margin, the, the, the number one answer was need more placeable candidates. So um, you've, but you've got, systems in place that really solve that problem from the sounds of it. Um, you're doing a lot of interesting things that I've never heard of anybody else doing. Like the brochure I've is a, I have seen a few people, not many, but some people do that. And, um, it sounds like you guys take it to another level, but I think that's a brilliant idea. But the way you reverse 
engineer your job postings to match not the 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 spec that you're given by the client, but what candidates are actually looking for is is pretty genius. Um, but I have never come across anyone else who is targeting specific people with Google ads, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads by creating custom audiences, uploading their email addresses. That is next level stuff. <laughs> that is uh, just, I don't know why I never thought of that before. That's brilliant. Um, it's, um, it's something it I've enjoyed. To me, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, it, it, I don't know. I, I thought about doing it a while back. We did it for clients too and candidates. I mean, we do it on both yeah. sides. Cool. Uh, and it does become pretty costly. So you want to make sure it's targeted because it, yeah. it adds up fast. But no, it's it's been actually kind of fun to watch marketing do that stuff. What the the cool thing is that actually the solution to all three of these problems, whether it's we need more clients or we need better candidates or we need people to grow our own business, is it's the exact same solution just aimed at different audiences, right? So you need sales and marketing systems and strategies in place, and they can be very similar, but just, you know, you've got some that are focused on, on getting leads for, uh, for clients. You've got some that are focused on filling jobs and you've got some that are focused on attracting other recruiters, but all of them require, as you said, like this is really a sales and marketing job. They all require you to, be very intentional and deliberate about the way you're selling and marketing to that uh, audience. Um, I'm really tempted. I want to know about scaling, but I'm really tempted to double click on marketing because I think you guys have, you know, are doing it better than the majority of other recruiting firms I've, I've come across. Um, what do you think is, well, let me ask you about results. Like what percentage of your either clients or candidates would you say are originally uh, delivered by the marketing team? Yeah. So we do, um, and we, and we spend a lot more, we, there's other marketing things we do too. It's not just okay. that, but we're always trying to uh, increase our organic search as well. You know, as people are searching yeah. for us, uh, we do a ton of stuff to get referrals from our, our current clients. Uh, yeah. you know, Hey, if you had a great experience with blue signal, tell others about it. Um, and so we probably 20, 30% of our new clients probably come to us um, right. in some way, shape or form through that mark, those marketing efforts. And then what I try to do is depending on what the search is, we'll, we'll give it to that recruiter. And, you know, for us, it's, it's real simple. Listen, whatever that first search is, 25% of that goes to the house for our marketing. Cause we put a lot of time mm -hmm. and effort into it. After that, the client's yours, you do whatever you want with it. You can make 50 placements with that one. You only have to pay 25% of the very first one The other mm. 49 are yours. So cool. we've gotten some really good clients. Um, and you know, we have our other ways of, of outbound reach and, um, you know, there's every campaign out there, the email campaigns, the text message campaigns, you put it in a drip system and we do all those. Like I said, I like, I like all the bells and whistles. As soon as some new shiny thing comes out, Oh, I got to find out how is that going to work? Is that going to work? And it's been a lot of trial and error too. We, we, you know, when I, when I talk about the reverse targeting on some of that stuff, uh, and how expensive it is, uh, it got expensive fast when I wasn't doing it the right way. So we've, we've adjusted that multiple times. Uh, just to make sure we're getting the most bang for our buck and you're not annoying people. I mean, that's the other thing is, is it's crazy with the you know, the tools that you have today, what you can do to really piss somebody off and you can get so much stuff in front of them. So you have to do it tactfully and professionally, mm. but it's all about 
brand awareness. And it's funny you mentioned, I want to go down the marketing path. I want to go down the scaling path. And to me, they're the same. Because um, okay. as we scale, as we grow our marketing team, and as we grow our recruiters, it's one and the same. And I learned this early on that the biggest frustration you have when you're scaling and growing is you get this awesome recruiter. Whether you trained them from the beginning or you got them somewhere else, they become so awesome and they go out and start their own thing. Why wouldn't mm. they? I did it. All the people on your podcast probably did it. Uh, that makes sense. That's logical. Uh, why not go do that? So my goal has always been I want someone to come to us because of blue signal, not because of that one individual. So from an right. external standpoint, I always want that. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, I want the recruiter to know if they ever leave, they're going to hate their life because it was so great <laughs> over here. All the tools, all the sourcing, all the, all the boards and all the marketing and everything we have for them. Um, yeah. It is so much easier that I would never want to go anywhere else. And on top of that, let's be honest, recruiters are financially incentivized. I mean, that's what they want to do. Talk about the big bucks, the big billers. How do I make more? So we have developed a model which uh, grow, helps them grow uh, a team, basically, and make more money. Mm. So, of course, we okay. have our traditional, here's your percentages when you bring that in. But then mm -hmm. once you qualify, well, now you're a manager, you can build a team beneath you. And mm. then you get a P&L bonus and a headcount bonus. So, hmm. so the P&L bonus is based on how profitable your team is. The P&L bonus uh, is based on how many people are on your team. So it just adds to the percentage, and you're just going to make more and more and more. The bigger your team is, the more you scale. And so it's, 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 been, it's been really effective. Um, plus, it gives them insight into the fact that, listen, we're running a business. Uh, it's all about results. Um, this is one thing I was asked early on is, you know, with the remote thing, how do you do that? How do you trust that people are working? How do you trust that uh, you're doing, do you have these uh, softwares that monitor them? And, mm -hmm. and honestly, I, I, I don't, I, I never did. Uh, we're so results driven and focused and so metrics that how many send outs did you get? How many calls you made? I mean, it, it's all there. Everybody sees it. Uh, it's almost yeah. embarrassing if you're not at the top of the charts. And for me, I'm not concerned about a person. This is going to sound uh, odd, but I'm not concerned about one of our recruiters or marketing or operations uh, putting in the time, uh, I'm almost concerned about them overdoing it because right. especially, you know, through a pandemic, through working from home, it's hard to create those boundaries and you can get burnt out really fast. So, yeah. I, you know, let's talk about your bandwidth. Let's talk about what's realistic, what you can work on. And it, it's ironic that most of our conversations are on the flip, not, Hey, pick it up or else you got to go. It's very obvious. If you're not producing, you got to go. I mean, come on, that's sorry. We're running a business here, not a charity. Uh, then on the second piece of it, it's well, so long as you're, you're doing what you say you're going to do and do this, that's fine, but let's make sure we limit it. So I've, mm -hmm. I've found, you know, in marketing operations too, and recruiters, there's times I'm telling them, dude, take a break, uh, take a, take a day off, take a weekend, do what you got to do, decompress. Um, and so all of our recruiters have unlimited PTO, you know, our marketing and operations team have a ton of, I mean, it's very, very, I'm cognizant of the fact that you can get burnt out really fast in this industry mm -hmm. if you don't set those boundaries. So we set those in parameters while we're growing and scaling both sides. All right. Awesome. So let's talk a little about this uh, scaling. Now, you can, uh, the other thing you said, which I loved, was you bring people on in classes and it makes total sense because not everyone is going to work out. And if you've only hired one and then you've put tons of effort into training and, you know, getting, developing them, and then they decide this isn't for them or it doesn't work out for whatever reason, then that time is just gone. You can never, ever get it back. But if you have two or three people, a cohort coming through together and you lose one, the other guys are still you know, are, are still trained. So you did not lose any time there. Plus 
there's a bit of friendly rivalry or competition between them where, you know, they're, they're trying to benchmark themselves against each other, which I think could, can uh, be, can be fun as well. But um, how, when did you first figure that out and, and, and adopt it as kind of your standard way of working? Yeah, no, good point. I've heard you talk about this before. It's, it's to me, it's, it's something that's important. Um, we, with me, I, I can't say I creative and figured this one out with management recruiters. That's just how they did it. I remember okay. I, uh, they brought me in for a, uh, an interview and they said, Hey, what about recruiting? I didn't know anything about it. I said, ah, what the heck? I'll give it a go. And they said, well, wait two days because we have a couple others joining. You can be part of that class. I'm thinking class. Hmm. Uh, and then they just, as they hired, they always try to hire at least two or more. So I, okay. I kind of adapted that, uh, but then it just helps so much from a training standpoint. And you have different modules. Um, so for us, we're really trying to perfect our training. And you got to think about it. there's about three different basic profiles you're going to hire. One is somebody who has no experience at all, straight out of school. Um, and of course, we I've heard you talk in the past. You know, what do those ideal people look like? Are they athletes? Were they in customer service? Were they you know servers? Were there so many different avenues you can go down that route? Um, but that's one module there. You're teaching all about, you start with why, what is recruiting? Uh, you know, they've never heard of it before. So you start with what it is, the fundamentals behind it. Then you get into the steps, then you get into the actual process and procedure. Then you get into how to build it. I mean, so it's a lot, that is probably mm -hmm. our most comprehensive training module. Okay. The next one is experienced recruiters that come over. And I don't like to say break bad habits. I like to say re-engineer that one's tricky especially for us, because we have about 36 steps on each side, 36, actually, I think now 38 on the recruiting side, every step that you need to follow. And in our training, there's a recorded call or, or video next to every single one of them. So there's every question you go back to it. And there's another 36, 37 on the BD side, on the, mm -hmm. on the client side, sorry. And the problem is a lot of these recruiters say, okay, Matt, you know, I've, I've made placements before and I didn't need to follow it as many of those steps. I sent over a resume and I got a fee. Why do I need to go through all that? And I got to remind them, well, that's not the blue signal way. You know, this is branding. Yes. This is everything else. Uh, you, it's hard to calibrate all the searches you're going to get down the road because of all these steps you, you follow. So that one I call the re-engineering, but that's an experienced recruiter that you need to come over here and then help work with them. And the third mm -hmm. one, which is also, and I like all three equally, I don't have a preference one or the other, but the third one I call a second career where I was in sales or I was in whatever. And now I want to leverage that experience, that Rolodex and come into recruiting. So I was doing pharmaceutical sales for the last 10 years. Well, now I want to come in and do recruiting in pharmaceutical because I know so many people. Awesome. Yeah. That's a little different. That one's all about the training side on that module about how to get into recruiting. And then there's a big piece on how to leverage your relationships in the past. And so mm -hmm. we try to hire all three of those. And then back to your original question, the classes, we try not to mix those classes up. You got to do those together. So yeah. uh, like June's class is going to be experienced recruiters, that middle bucket. July's class, that's all going to be inexperienced recruiters. And we mm -hmm. try to get them all in the same, uh, just so they're, they're learning at the same speed. They're picking up things, but then you hit the nail on the head. There's the camaraderie. There's the, they help each other, support groups. We have a career mentor program too, where we have people checking in with them. Uh, mm -hmm. been a lot of things. And I can't take credit for a lot of this has been our, our HR team has been phenomenal on this remote side, uh, but they've been able to, to, basically nurture and, and work with those teams as they progress throughout. Love it. This is awesome, man. So um, how long is that training initial kind of onboarding process take? It's been on the, sh the short side, one week on the long side, three weeks um, for the, okay. It, it, it varies on the class and who they are. And we do a lot of um, behavioral type testing too. And, and ahead of time, just cause I'm I, I, for the record, I was never, ever a big fan of those. Um, 
And my, my business coach, a uh, big, big, big believer of coaching, by the way, Mark. So uh, I love that you talk about that and you promote it. Uh, I remember when I was doing this business, I was uh, kind of, yeah, it was probably a bad day. And I, and, and, and Tom from growth 10, I'll give him a quick shout out, uh, reached out to me out of the blue and said, um, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting a new group and blah, blah, blah. And so I've stayed with him ever, ever since. And he's helped like kind of push me to do a lot of these things. And one of the things he said is take this behavioral. I said, Tom, those are hogwash. I don't, I don't believe those. I've had so many big clients where I found a VP of sales from your direct competitor doing double what you're looking for. No non-compete. Everybody loves him, but HR comes back and says, well, they didn't pass the behavioral assessment. So we're not going to hire him. Like, what are you out of yes. your mind? And so I just had this bad stigma of it the whole time. And then he said, take it. I, you know, trust me. If, if you don't like it or you don't think it's accurate, then I'll buy you a steak dinner. I'm thinking, all right, you know, <laughs> well, I already had the restaurant picked out of my mind. I'm thinking, okay, you know, shame on you. <laughs> and I took it and I was like, wow, it only took five minutes. And I took it and I'm looking at this like, wow, that is me to a T and it shows how I can work on things. How am I getting my sales strategy, my delivery, all this stuff. And I showed it to the wife and she goes, Wow, that is you to a T. Yeah, see, see right there. That's you don't listen. You're an asshole. That's why you do this. That's why you, I mean, she like went down the list, and I'm thinking, okay, so it, but it's good because then you work on it from a relationship standpoint. All of our teams have all this, and it's it's all about communication. And so we do behavioral assessments on all of those as well, uh, and that also helps us to determine the length of the class, what all needs to be covered. And there's a lot that goes into it because recruiting is a very cutthroat and hard business. It's probably one of the hardest jobs out there. I mean, really, it, it yeah, is. It's I agree. also equally one of the most rewarding jobs, but man, it is yes. hard. And so the more we can soup and help people understand their behaviors, how they're hardwired and really make most effective use of those. For example, you know, your classic type A, I want to go out there and talk to everybody. I want to be, you know, I want to be outgoing. I want to promote this. I want to do whatever. Well, they're probably not going to be so great recruiting engineers. You know, because engineers, when the phone rings, they run out of the room. I mean, it's it's they're very tame. They're very calm. I need more of an introvert who's designed to recruit engineers because they need to be very matter of fact. And so we we actually use these behaviors to help adjust their recruiting approach and BD approach on the certain industries they're working in. Wow, that's super cool. Do you mind sharing what this tool is that you're using the behavioral? Oh, assessment? sure. We we use a predictive index. Predictive uh, index. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh, I guess it started in world war two. They were doing it with B 52 bombers and all that. Here's the other part of this thing. So Tom, huh. Tom showed it to me and I did this and I'm thinking, Oh, this is so great. And I need it for all my people. Uh, how do I get signed up for it? And I, I they said, Oh, all you got to do is you come in here, you have to get certified. It's a two day intensive training. And I overlooked the intensive part, two day training, no big deal. I'm thinking, oh, that's not that bad. I'll go in there for two days on my phone. I'll be sending emails. No big deal. No, they looked at my profile ahead of time. They knew who I was. So they put me right in front of the class and they made me put my phone out in front <laughs> and the thing's vibrating all day long. He keeps looking at me, goes, I know your behaviors and that's driving you crazy, isn't it? I'm like, yes, Mike, this is driving me nuts. And I'm, of course, I'm surrounded by HR and talent acquisition. They, they, they were all very friendly. I many of them are my clients today because they're just like, wow, that's so awesome that a recruiter would, would go through this and do all this stuff. And I, I, it was very, very uh, daunting, the whole two-day intensive thing where my phone is vibrating and they're just calling me out because they know my behavior is I need to get that stuff done. But it was Predictive Index, very good program, highly recommend it. They have several other add-ons you can do for cognitive and sales and some other stuff. And we've kind of baked that into our onboarding and our training and most importantly, our employee success moving forward. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, just as a complete random aside, um, since you brought up B-52 bombers and the psychology there, have you read Malcolm Gladwell's newest book? Because that that's what it's about, is um, the psychology of bomber pilots. Oh, no, I have not. I'll have to look into that one because that was yeah. really fascinating to me when they brought it that's, up. Uh, interesting. So, okay. Um, 
Man, I don't even know where we were, Matt. That was, uh, uh, I think we talked about the onboarding and then you mentioned you've got these behavioral assessments. Um, so, so look, what, how are things structured? What's the career? You mentioned you've got the opportunity for people to build teams, but what does the actual structure and career progression look like? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, and here's the other thing, it's all in numbers. It's all in performance. Like I, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what, how you handle the politics and who you're friends with and who you're not friends with. It is all based on numbers. Once your billing set a certain amount, you're promoted to this and it's, it's automatic. So right. for us, there's a, a certain, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but you start as a recruiter, then you go to senior, then you go to manager, then you go to senior manager, then director. And once you're manager above, well, now you're eligible to start growing your team. And, um, and they all wrap up to, so if I'm a you know manager and then I start hiring people, then their managers, all the P&Ls wrap up. So it's, it can be very, very lucrative. I've had, um, which honestly is one of my favorite parts of the job is paying people more money than I'm paying myself. Like I love it when a recruiter right. comes in, they, they have this awesome month. They built a team They had a, a profitable quarter and I love cutting them the big checks. Everyone la- like, why are you still doing payroll? What are you doing? Honestly, it's the most favorite part of my job is cutting these people, big checks, taking them off the street. They, they weren't making anything. Now I'm cutting them all this because of all their hard work. And I, I see them putting in the 80, 90 hour weeks. You know, I, I see them working hard and I know it because they're calling, texting me over the weekends and early in the morning. And so now that I can do this and, and it gives them that chance and everyone's talking about this. Listen, recruiter, let's, let's look at the psyche here is you want to come in there and you got to hit, and this was me, old school MRI, hundred phone calls a day, four hours of phone time. Otherwise you don't have a job tomorrow. That's basically what I was told. I remember there was one day I had three placements, awesome day, high-fiving, going around the office, getting ready to leave. And she goes, whoa, 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 Matt, if you walk out, remember you don't have a job tomorrow because you only have 85 calls. Are you kidding me? I know. So I went back and made 15 calls that meant nothing and then left. And I was so upset about it. Uh, but the point is that you really need to be able to, to facilitate growth, not only from um, the title and structure, but from the activities themselves. And mm-hmm. you look at how most businesses do. You start as a BDR rep, then you go into account management, then you go to sales manager, then you go to director, then you go to VP. And there's, there's a structure, there's a, there's a plan in place. And so we want to do that here too. Yes, you start off making a ton of calls. Life sucks in the beginning. I tell everybody, listen, when you're starting recruiting, the next six months of your life are over. You're never going to leave the house. You're not going to do this. It's nights and weekends. That's funny. I was telling people this over the pandemic and they're like, that's fine. That's all I was going to do anyways. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and it's a hot, lot of hard work. And so you put all that in the beginning and then you get to the next level and the next level. And then we have teams of people to help you this and we, and you, and you grow this. And, and now you're not making all those calls. Now you're, you're focused on managing and structuring and building. Uh, and then you get incentives from all that stuff and you just continue to build a team and you know, your buildings are important. Don't get me wrong. We are all working managers, but at the same time, you can build this ridiculously awesome team and it, it's, it's helpful. It helps them mentally because I built something. I created something. People come to you. Uh, you're making more money. You're getting higher title. And there is that progression which let's face it, a lot of recruiters just don't have. It's it's pound the phone, it's do all this. And then once they get to a certain level, well, they don't want to do that anymore. They don't want to pound the phone anymore. You know, I think you've hit on one of the big secrets here, Matt, which is recruiting. If you're doing the exact same high intensity, you know, full contact recruiting job for so long, you can get burnt out on that. Whereas if you're giving the people the opportunity to progress, then that keeps things fresh. It gives them new challenges. It gives them, you know, new aspects to their, to the role, which, um, means that you can have more longevity, I think in this, in this business by, by doing that as well. Yeah, it's, um, and that's the thing, it's just the tools and resources you can provide them, not just from 
tools and resources, but people mm-hmm. and, and, and assistance on their team. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for example, we have one individual, I think he's been here about three years now, uh, came in, did really, really well. And then, okay, well, we started to hire people beneath him and now he, and now he has his own project manager. Now he had, I mean, all these things where it's, it's, it's really cool to watch because his desk basically runs by, that doesn't run by itself. Don't get me wrong. He puts a lot of work into it, but it's really cool to see all the tools and resources he has. And, and I'll, I'll be transparent. He actually beat me in billings last year. And I'll also be more transparent. This is my brother. His name is Ryan. But, um, <laughs> oh, awesome. He, yeah, but um, it, it's just it, seeing it all work and seeing the whole all the pieces come together and knowing and that's the other thing. And building a company, this is one of the big key aspects where most people and I've messed up. When I say most people, I have messed up. I tell anyone that we're starting a business. Well, I can tell you all the things not to do because I've done a lot of them. Um, and the thing that where we struggle and most struggle is process and procedure. Uh, mm. we, we all too often count on one person, like it all goes to this one person and they do it. And it's not until it's too late, like, Oh, they resigned or something came up or they were just stressed out to the max. They leave and you realize, Oh, well, they were doing all this stuff. There should have been a process for that or for a procedure for that. And, um, you know, bless my wife. She's been very, very helpful. And, and, and coming from this, she came from the e-discovery business, which was all remote, all process driven, all very heavy right. on that side of it. And so she's helped yep. me implement a lot of these things here, which have, have, have very helped out tremendously. But you have to have that process where that's where it's structured versus a person because that person will get burnt out. They'll leave and you just need to make sure you're doing it the right way. Can we double click on that? Because this is definitely weakness for many recruiters and owners is having systems and processes in place in order to be able to replicate the things that are working produce a consistent outcome for the business for for the client but also then to be able to to scale something it has to be process driven so um how have you tackled that you said your wife came in and has helped with that but what specifically have you guys done in order to embed those processes oh so this starts early on mm-hmm. and this is a very difficult thing for recruiters entrepreneurs business owners to do mm-hmm. but for me it all starts with letting go and I know that sounds really silly, but I, my, um, my youngest, um, uh, has, has a very rare, uh, genetic, uh, disorder called Smith's Kingsmore syndrome. I'm on the board for that. want to give a shout out to that and promote that as well. Uh, trying for to create sure. awareness, but early on, it's just a sleeping disorder. So early on, when I first started the business in 16, right as I'm starting to hire the worst time ever, well, now I'm only getting two hours of sleep at night cause he's always getting up and I'm trying to do all this. So for the first oh my gosh. three hours, it was two hours of sleep. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until this pandemic set that I actually started that I actually started getting full sleep. But why do I bring that up? Because I didn't have a choice. I had to count on other people. There were days where I just, I couldn't do anything. I, I mean, I, if I talked to a client, I said the most ridiculous and awful things like get me away from a phone. They had to hide the phone from me sometimes. <laughs> and it's just, it's putting that trust in your team at early on. So it all starts there and it's, you know, hire good people, trust them, uh, work with them, help them, coach them, work with them the best you possibly can but you have to empower them. And uh, I think as, as firm owners, as entrepreneurs, you all, you always think, Oh, I have to do this and I have to make this decision it has to run through me and I have to approve it and all that. And you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can count on them. And are they going to do it hundred percent like you? No. Uh, sometimes maybe 80 or 90%, sometimes better. I mean, there's some things they do that they're doing better than I did. Oh man, I wish I would have given that to you a long time ago. And so it starts off with, uh, trusting your team, trusting uh, them to help facilitate a lot of that process. And then from there, 
Um, you know, you, you put the activities together, you document it and you figure out here's going to be a person. And I do that. I do that probably once a quarter, maybe once every six months, I go to the marketing team. I go to the operations team. Hey, I want everyone to put together. What are all the things they're doing? What do they love to do? And this is what I started off when I very first started growing. I said, Mm. okay, what are all things I love to do? What are all things I don't like to do? Uh, okay, here's all things I don't like to do. Let's put that together. Boom. Job description. I'm hiring that person. Same thing with them. Let's look at your group. Let's look at your department. What are they doing that they like to do? What are they doing they don't like to do? What do they think they could be better? And we work through this. Boom, another job description. We got to hire that person. And so it's all part of the whole process here to, to scale and grow. And it's it's really cool. Now, we have some other big initiatives over the next couple of years uh, on some new uh, platforms in business from a, from like a, a recruiting process, from career development, and some other things that we're going to be getting into where mm-hmm. company structure and process is vitally important. And now mm-hmm. that I've done this the way you probably shouldn't do it and learn from all my mistakes, now I know the way to do it. So we're putting all that process and procedure in place ahead of time and then hiring. Uh, whereas before you hire, then put in the process procedures, you're figuring it out and then go from there. And so- I choose to do the, the this way this time. We'll see how it works, but it's all about ca- counting on your people, trusting with them, putting that procedure in place, then following it and then adjusting it. Um, yeah. I've heard this from two people now. Um, I've heard it called like the pancake model, uh, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, whenever you're making pancakes, well, let's face it. The first one, two, three suck. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, they're yeah. going to suck. And I suck at making pancakes. So for me, it's like five or six. But once you get to that sixth or seventh, wow, those are perfect pancakes. Those are the good ones. But you have to get through those first ones to get to the good ones. And so you just have to put it on there, put it in place. Don't get paralysis by analysis. Just put it down, do it, work it, rock it, change it, adjust. And we've done that for everything. We're continuing to do it every day. Me too. And it stings. It's hard to say, oh, we got to change this. We got to change this. We got to change this. But honestly, that was one thing that drove me crazy with MRIs. We said, listen, we're going to do it this way because that's the way we've always done it. I'm the opposite. Yes. I say we are not totally. going to do it that way simply because that's the only way we've done it. <laughs> we are going to change it. And so we've just continued to change. I love it. Love it. Love it. Um, hey, there's a really good book on this called Clockwork. I don't know if you've looked at that, but it's um, it's about system systemizing and creating these processes so your business runs itself um and i've not seen uh, that one e-myth though yeah. that's another good one e-myth yeah. and e-myth, e-myth is a classic definitely e-myth is definitely uh high on my recommended reading for for business owners um you mentioned that was one of your mistakes do you mind sharing one or two others that you've learned the hard way oh boy how much time do we have left um <laughs> so i think one, trying to take on too. I mean, I mean, we all struggle with this, just trying to take on too much. I can do all this. I can do all this. So, of course, counting on your team, counting your resources. But then also from a client and candidate standpoint, I think just overall transparency. You know, I think as recruiters, we try to say, oh, yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. And you have to be open and honest with them. And um, just recently, we launched this new updated scorecard uh, for our job orders. And that now we're going back to clients and saying, listen, we can't help you. But if you could adjust this, 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 we might. Um, and so I think it's just that transparency across the board and educating Uh, right now. It's all about education. I wish I would have started that earlier on. Uh, but so often we'll take on a search and you'll go through the whole process. We get down to the, we, sometimes we get to the final, sometimes we don't, but they say, Hey, let's, let's face it. The recruiter always says you got to pay more. I mean, you hear it all the time. Of course, you're going to say we got to pay more. The recruiter always says that. Well, I'm going to show you early on why you need to pay more. You know, I'm, I'm going to literally put together 172 
you know, people that are qualified for this role that are interested in this role. You know, we pull this from our, we use PCR, we pull it from there. We make a nice little fancy update, sends it to them, shows them their name, their title and, and marketing does all this for us too. It's pretty awesome, but we'll send it all to them. And they say, okay, here's the 172 people qualified for this role. Here's the actual 13 I talked to that are interested. Here's what they're making. Here's what they're looking for. So, I don't know what I got to tell you, dude, you either pay more, expect less. Here's the real time info. I don't care that the salary survey said this, this is a real time salary survey that shows what the 13 people out there that check all the boxes that are willing to take this job and what they're making. And I got bad news for you. You're right. You don't want to pay this role because you have three people on your team that are paying less than this. Guess what? You need to pay them more too, because you're going to lose them, lose them pretty soon. And so long as we can show them this real time market data, we're a partner. Listen, I want to show you data. Let's make decisions together. I'm never, ever going to say you got to hire my candidate. In fact, contrary to that, we push back. I don't think you should hire that candidate. Tell me why you think you should hire that candidate. Uh, and we always provide options, you know, four or five or six options on both sides of it. So early on, to answer your question, as I said, in the longest way possible, uh, I wish I would have provided more data early on to clients and to candidates and be more transparent with them. Uh, as I build a team, you know, obviously trusting the process, trusting the team, getting good people, surrounding yourself by good people. That is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, having a business coach, uh, shout out to you, Mark. I mean, having a business coach has been super important for me. I mean, I, I've, I've met with him and I wish I would have done that, did that right out of the gates just because, um, he pushes me, you know, when I come back and I say, Oh, I only got two hours of sleep and I only did this and I only did that. He was like, I don't care, man. I'm not going to say it set up your excuses. You pay me. Are you paying me to listen to your excuses? Cause that's a therapist. I'm not a therapist. I'm a business coach. <laughs> and so, and he pushes back on me and he needs to, because nobody else does. And, and he says, listen, you did awesome, but come on, you can do better. And I love it. And, and then and then I have a group, of course, that we meet and we go through that. So I think surround yourself with peers, find out what you want to do. But then, you know, it's the why. For me, I'm super lucky that I love recruiting. And uh, I think Monty said this really well, too, is that I'm, I'm not even remotely burnt out. I, I love there'll be times where it's 60, 70, 80 hours. And I'm like, man, I got to I got to check out. I, I just love it so much that time gets into it. I love finding a new company, some search I've never heard of, some new technology. And I just. I thrive on it. So everyone's like, well, what's the next step? And you need to, instead of working in your business, you need to work on your business. But the truth is I love working in my business. I tell people this all the time. There are days I wish I could just work for me because all of our processes are so awesome that I could be the most effective recruiter and I could build double as much. And it's just, it's having that passion for whatever you do. And so for me early on, I just dumb luck fell into recruiting and just happened to be super passionate about it, but whatever that is, find that and then, and then be pushed on it and make sure you know what the why is and work towards it. Wow, Matt, that's actually a really great way of summing up our session together. I think we could go for two or three hours uh, and I would, I would enjoy and, and find lots of value there. Um, just before we, we, and, and so if, if you're up for this, I'd love to do it again sometime. Yeah, I'd be happy to, it's been fun. Um, just before we go, could you say more about your Smith's Kings more charity that you support? Oh yes. Okay. So thank you. My, my youngest son, uh, got diagnosed with Smith's Kingsmore syndrome, very, very rare genetic disease. And we had no idea what it was. So, uh, we started the board and I can't say we, there's uh, Chris and great, great board members. They started and, and I'm very humbled and honored to be part of it, but we're creating awareness and pushing it out there because there's so many undiagnosed cases out there and they just don't know about it because it's not been out there. So it's, um, uh, smithskingsmore.org is the foundation. You can hop on there, can research all about it. Uh, and then we're just trying to help create, uh, awareness and push out for that. Thank you wow. Matt, for bringing that up. Yeah, no, that's amazing. So listen, congrats on all your accolades, Forbes five-star staffing firm, you know, one of the best places to work in Phoenix. 
one of the top executive recruiting firms three years in a row. Um, you've, you know, you're, you know, you're doing amazing stuff, Matt. And uh, so it's a privilege talking to you and, and let's do it again. Yeah, Mark, I'd be really happy to. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.